0: I, I find it extremely important and very, very motivating when you can see change, when you can make change happen, when you can support processes or, or action that, that, you know, creates for a, a more equal and, and fair society.
1: Hi and welcome to the podcast Making an Impact. This is the podcast where all aspects of working in the global impact sector are discussed. My name is Helen Rask, and I will be the host in this podcast. In this episode, we will meet Lisa Aqueiro, who is the Gender and Diversity Coordinator at IFRC in Geneva. Lisa will let us know how her work ensures a gender and diversity perspective in all emergencies. What it's like to work with gender and diversity and why she ended up in that field in the first place. So, let's get started! Today I'm very happy and honored to have Lisa Aqueiro, who is the Gender and Diversity Coordinator at IFRC in Geneva. Lisa, welcome to the podcast, Making an Impact.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You're welcome. Uh, So maybe we can start by what is IFRC?
0: Right. Well... Uh, the International Federation of the Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, that's the full name, quite a long one, um, is really a a membership organization and the secretariat for all of the Red Cross and Red Crescent national societies in the world, so all 191 of them. Um, It functions as a a support um, membership organization for, for all of these national societies and also has the membership um, in its governing body, Um, so as the secretariat then.
1: What do you mean by membership?
0: So the membership is is all of of these national societies. So you have, for example, the the Swedish Red Cross, or you have the Kuwaiti Red Crescent. And in all 191 states, um, they have their own national societies that function as a a liaison to to the national government. But also, of course, first and foremost, are there to to ensure that um, that uh, in times of crisis and emergencies, uh, someone is is voluntarily engaged uh, in the in the state and you know on the ground to to help and support protecting and saving lives.
1: Uh, your title is gender and diversity coordinator. Uh, and I would like to know what are your responsibilities.
0: Right. Well. <laughs> um, The file of gender and diversity in the federation uh, is is intended to reflect, you know, the the needs to consider that perspective on the ground in any kind of emergency response or longer term programming that the Red Cross Red Crescent movement uh, is engaged in. Um, I would say that the the portfolio or the role um, that I'm sitting in is mainly is mainly covering three three work streams. Um, one being the very operational support, meaning that I mean when we when we respond in, in whatever emergency we're dealing with, such as now in, in Mozambique, um, in response to the cyclone and the flooding there, um, that we that we ensure that we set up, you know, our, our water and sanitation services or our relief support, um, keeping a very strong you know, focus on on the different needs of, of individuals and groups in that community. So, you know, we don't give just exactly the same type of, of support to to a big group of people who, who have very different uh, identities and, and needs and capacities, uh, but that we tailor and adapt our response uh, in such regard. I would say that the, uh, the other stream, I mean, an example to that maybe to be it's even more clear is, is to make sure that we not only set up, you know, uh, latrines on a generic basis, but that we also ensure that we have latrines that have accessibility for persons with disabilities and that we, we separate male and female latrines and, and make sure that it's safe and dignified for everyone that we're trying to reach. Um, I would say that the second stream has more to do with we representing the voices uh, of, of the communities that we, that we support and that we work in and that we're a part of through our volunteer base, uh, meaning more on an advocacy uh, level, that we facilitate and support uh, raising the voices of people in need of support and people who are marginalized or discriminated against. Around the world, and then we make sure that that they're heard at a higher level, at political level, but also at you know a, a global level that we promote their messages and um, and make sure that we're kind of functioning as a microphone for them. Um, the third stream that that comes within this role is more at an institutional level, so. You know it's it's about as my has my director in, in the my department would say it it's about what we do it's about how we do it but it's also about who we are so a part of my job is to support our own institutions our own national societies and membership and, and our and the Secretariat to, you know from our headquarters in Geneva to our regional offices around the world in making sure that we indeed uh, show that we are uh, A diverse and a representative organization so that in all of our governing bodies and in our leadership positions that we have you know a diverse pool of people uh, really reflecting the global community that we that we're working with and that we are representing.
1: And you have just returned from an emergency uh, I understand. What were your tasks and where have you been?
0: Right, so this is of course a very central part of, of the IFRC function as well. We, we do take, in the Red Cross Red Crescent Movement we, uh, the, the, the IFRC takes lead in, in uh, any type of natural disaster or emergency um, response uh, in terms of coordination. Um, so we responded to Mozambique and then in that response we have many national societies coming together It's quite powerful and beautiful to be a part of. Um, You have the Mozambique Red Cross National Society asking for global support. That's That's how it all begins. And then this global support is coordinated and facilitated through the IFRC, and we will have national societies from all over the world, such as the Spanish Red Cross and the Turkish Red Crescent, come to Mozambique and and support with the capacities and the expertise they have in their respective uh, national societies. So my job in this response was really when we talk about emergencies, this gender and diversity file is is linked to protection uh, naturally as well.
1: Um, Could you just explain what protection is?
0: Right. Well, that's a a good question. I mean, I believe the jury's still out uh, on a very, very clear definition on that. But um, protection is is anything that we do that ensures the safety of people in the communities that are experiencing a disaster or a crisis. Um, And safety can be a quite relative term. It can refer to people's sense of safety, which makes psychosocial support a very crucial part of of protection. It can also refer to... you know physical infrastructure and the safety provided through you know making sure that the shelters that we set up are, are safe for the people residing in them um, uh, it, it, it's quite a broad file and uh, in the in in a disaster response or emergency uh, humanitarian aid, we work um, with the cluster system. So within the different sectoral clusters, we also have the protection cluster, under which um, you know the UNHCR and, and IOM, International Organization of Migration, are coordinating usually this with um, with many organisations such as UNICEF, Save the Children, you know all the actors really really working strongly within child protection or gender and diversity issues. So within the Red Cross Red Crescent movement, um, when we work in protection, that's where the gender and diversity file becomes also very relevant, because um, it really has to do with this uh, this kind of relativity to, to people's individual needs and capacities, um, really emphasizing that you know people are unsafe for different reasons, depending on their background and their identities. And in, in times of crisis and emergencies, these... These, um, the risks of, of violence, for example, within the communities, they increase. Uh, we've seen that through several you know, research projects, and, and we really know that it's, it's our responsibility as well as we come and kind of, you know, represent a momentum in the communities that is not there in a normal situation. That we really take this into account and, and work to ensure people's safety. So in this emergency mission in Mozambique that was really my role. I, I went down as a protection gender and inclusion um, emergency response coordinator. Um, in that effect I would I would work um, together with our sector leads such as the, you know the, the team lead for water and sanitation, the team lead for health, um, the team lead for shelter, and really look through you know working with them on their plans and their responses. Um, to see how we can embed and mainstream this perspective of protection and gender and diversity. Um, Then I would also work very specifically with the different teams. Um, We set up a a big field hospital in in Mozambique, in Beira, with the Canadian Red Cross and the Finnish Red Cross. And My role in that would be to, to help advise them on what national legislation and mechanisms there are at place in Mozambique that relate to sexual and gender-based violence, uh, referral pathways for possible survivors of abuse, and issues such as termination of pregnancy or sexual and reproductive health and rights. That would be one example of what I was working with.
1: So how is it to work with gender issues? Um, (laughs) You know, I'd say it's quite
0: twofold. My experience is that it's not necessarily the easiest uh, topic to, (laughs) to work with. Um I find that there I mean there are as many perspectives on on gender and humanitarian aid and, and development that um, there are people almost. I, I find it extremely important and very, very motivating when you can see change, when you can make change happen, when you can support processes or, or action that that you know creates for a, a more equal and, and fair, Society in different ways, and if it if it's at a very local community level or at a more transformational political level, I find it very rewarding when when you see change happening. I think that these days uh, it's become not to say easier to work on gender, but uh, I definitely uh, pose myself very humble to to you know. All the work that has been done so far, and uh, for all the people, all the brave women and men who've paved the way really to be able to uh, address issues of gender inequality at a much more efficient level today than than only ten years
1: ago, I think there was a big difference already. So in what way do you think it has it's it's easier today?
0: I just really find that the, the, the discourse is more open. Um, I find that you, very rarely will you be at least in, in the humanitarian sector, it's very rare that uh, you will find any sphere or fora or you know group of people that don't that will resist to the notion that gender is an important perspective to, to have embedded in everything. I think the, the difficulty maybe is more in how we do it. Uh, rather than whether or not we should be doing it, um, I think that's a big change that has happened the, the last last years.
1: And what is your educational background, and how has that helped you in your professional life, working with gender issues? <laughs>
0: uh, my background is, uh, is what my um, my uh, good advisor at university would call a bit bipolar. Oh. Um, <laughs> I uh, my formal education is in disaster management. so I have a master's in disaster management. Leading up to that, I did different types of studies such as national development studies and and I tried out many many different paths in in my life before really getting into this this line of work. Um, so academically, I have a varied background, disaster management, development, also you know, subjects such as um, international law and um, astronomy of all things. But uh, my work background is maybe more related to the file I'm currently holding and I find that that's maybe the part of my life that's led me to where I am today. Um, I started working as a trauma counselor and case manager for survivors of um, violence in close relations in Oslo many years ago. And I did that work for about five years. And and then I ventured into um, a project in, in Oslo branch, Red Cross, so more a local branch of the Red Cross National Society in Norway, where um, they had a project that supported um, survivors of human trafficking um, together with volunteers and, and managed different activities for them to be able to... Um, Reintegrate in in society after having subjected to this horrific uh, violation, and in that I, I I kind of came into the Red Cross world in that in that sense. So I coordinated that project and worked as a case manager manager for for these people um, who had been subjected to human trafficking. And um, during the migration crisis in in Europe, I got more involved um, with with that response, both in Norway and in in Europe, more more in general in Greece and and the Balkans. And then I I, uh, moved on to a regional position with the IFRC for the Migration Response as a Protection, Gender, and Inclusion Advisor. And from then on, um, I've been on several missions and and kind of had a very practical and operational um, approach to the file and experience with it. So this job here in uh, Geneva headquarters now is my first more policy-level position. I'm very glad that I have all of that practical background so that I uh, can be informed better by, by you know, the, the needs on the ground, basically into developing new policy and, and more overarching strategies for the Federation.
1: You already touched a bit about how you got your first job in this field, but maybe you could elaborate a bit, a bit on what made you change from being a caseworker uh, back in oslo to towards the more international scene
0: right well i think um so my background is is both in in psychosocial support and also in protection gender and inclusion and i think that i'd worked at a point where i'd worked for seven years at a very you know very hands-on individual response type level where you constantly kind of you can you can support someone and assist someone to a certain extent but in the end it always seems like you come to a place where there's a political change that's needed or an administrative change or a bureaucratic change or it's a more systemic uh systemic barrier to really helping these people obtain access to their basic rights and needs um and I think that that motivation really, really drove me into the more international scene, seeing that okay, maybe, maybe if I lift my perspective a bit, um, then I can influence some of these changes that relate to, you know, our, our ways of doing things at a systemic level rather than uh, these individual cases. And in Europe, in the migration crisis, I found that that was, that was still kind of what motivated me to keep going um, to see how we can create structures and standards that will really ensure that these individuals, although they're different backgrounds and stories and, and, and futures um, we can really try and make structures that, that really, you know, provide for their, or facilitate uh, and ensure their dignity and their access to, to basic needs and, and rights and their safety.
1: What is the most rewarding about your job?
0: Well, again, now <laughs> to, to be at, at this um, coordinator, global coordinator level, I find that I still need to, to really you know, um, stay in, in contact with, with what's happening on the ground around the world in terms of getting that reward or getting, getting that sense that it's helping. Um, I think sometimes headquarter levels, uh, tend to be a bit, bit, um, disassociated with, with these stories, these real life stories of real people. And, um, I try really hard to, to not have that happen and to, and to make sure that I'm informed constantly by colleagues who are in direct, you know, in direct assistance and, and really hear those stories that it's helping. It matters that, um, if we, if we write a new policy or a strategy, it will affect people's lives. That's really what's driving me.
1: What was your best day at work?
0: <laughs> um, well, in this job right now, actually, two days ago, I had a really good day at work, <laughs> where we have worked for a long time now, drafting indeed a new, a new policy for gender and diversity inclusion uh, for, for the whole IFRC and all the national societies. and. We've been a bit nervous, a few of us at technical level, um, about how this would be received at our our governance level. And uh, now very recently we we presented this new policy and it it was received and very welcomed uh, in a very positive way, which was a great day at work because then it it feels like we're we're on the right track and we can really change things at at a higher level.
1: Do you have any good example from your Mozambique experience? Well,
0: in Mozambique, I think that, uh, again, at a more systemic level, it was a really good experience to come down there and to meet such great teams and colleagues that already came to me hungry for advice on how they could improve their responses in terms of uh, protection, gender, and inclusion. Um, it's, It's referring, I guess, back to... To what I've seen change the last years, it's really, it's really, um, really motivating to have, you know, a very, very much veteran uh, firefighter, <laughs> normally back home in Sweden, who's now in in Mozambique trying to set up water and sanitation facilities for for the people they need there, and you know him coming, approaching me, really being like, can you can you help us? How can we make sure that this that the latrines that we set up, that they really, that people can really use them, and that they're private and safe, and that we can have people with different impairments also be able to access them.
1: What is the most challenging about your job?
0: I think that, well, when it's not like that, when it's not like I just described, when you when you're faced with with barriers that relate to people's attitudes, um, attitudes that maybe you know linked to to fear fear of the unknown fear of of losing you know whatever people have fear often becomes something else it becomes um forms of of uh, fear fear towards other people and it it can take form of discrimination or xenophobia or you know really unfair treatment of other people i think when i see a lot of that it's it's challenging definitely because um but then it's it's important to get back in touch with those good stories and good examples of how it is working. And it does have an, an impact.
1: What would you say is the most needed skill when working on gender issues?
0: Maybe in that regard, I would say patience is a very, it's a very good skill. Um, but also persistence um, and that combination. I think it would be impossible to work on gender diversity issues if one doesn't have a, a very open mind uh, trying to really understand where people are coming from um, and and what what you know what has made their perspective the way that it is to really be curious about root causes and people's behavior, I think is is really key.
1: What is your recommendation to others who want to have a similar career as you have had so far? What should I do? Well.
0: Well, I, I really believe that it, within the gender and diversity file, there's this enormous—I an, an mean, there's this big need for a diverse pool of people. Uh, it, may, it's, it may sound uh, ironic that I'm saying that, but but I really find that we um traditionally this file has been held by you know great experts who, who've studied you know gender and and who fought this through. But but we're definitely lacking people with kind of a a more practical background or a more a background within something just that they're really passionate about, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that they've worked with gender inequality their whole lives. I really think that there are many ways to get to uh, to a place um, where you can have such you know, immense value to contribute with in, in the gender and diversity discourse. Uh, we really need, I mean, it would be amazing in, in 10 years' time to see Lots of men and lots of, you know, people with very diverse identities leading towards leading this file uh, forward.
1: Are there mainly uh, women working on gender issues globally, or what would you say?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely a very female-dominated uh, Give me sector.
1: some percentage.
0: Oh, at the top of my head, let's see who I've met the last year. I would say 80%, 80-90%.
1: Yeah. So there's a need for gender parity, I guess. Absolutely.
0: And there's a need to, to you know, really help each other already working on the file, help each other uh, spread, the, spread the word on what it really is about. It really isn't just about women uh, or women being more vulnerable in general. Um, it's about having, having that perspective on individual variation and that we're all different and need different things.
1: Thank you so much, Lisa, for participating in the podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you found it interesting to learn more about the work of IFRC. If you want more information, please check out our webpage www.impactpool.org. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.